Hello and welcome to episode 26 of Home With My Back In podcast. I am your host, Clyde T. Tammy, and welcome. So I'm going to start saying the episode numbers at the beginning. Uh, so this is episode 26, technically episode 3 of this Welcome Back season, but episode 26, which means if you have not listened to the previous 25 episodes, you need to go back and listen to those because I've had some really, really good conversations with some amazing ladies and a few men. Um, so this week we continue our conversations with friends and I was joined by a very, very good friend of mine. She is somebody that I look up to. I call her my mentor. And in this episode, I told her that she must not, she might not know this, but she is my mentor. She is the one person, one of the few people, I know Sarah is one of them. And I spoke to Sarah in episode 24. They are two people, but this, are, this one is about this lady here that I go to whenever I have an idea, whenever I have like a creative idea, a business idea, I'm like messaging her first thing, like, when can you meet up? I need to talk to you about something. And she, I'm sure she always knows, okay, <laughs> what else is she coming up with now? And it's always a business idea. And she's always so open, so honest. And she is such a warm, genuine, loving person. And I really wanted to sit down with her because not only is she a good friend of mine, she is also an amazing businesswoman. She's an amazing creative and I'm really gassing her. Jesus. Um, <laughs> she is a fashion consultant. She puts on fashion events. She is a fashionista, which is strange because anyone that knows me knows that I live in jeans and trainers and a hoodie right those are that's my outfit that's what I like to wear I like to be comfortable so it's 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 weird it's a weird dynamic that I'm this person who knows nothing about fashion can't really say I'm interested in it either and I am very good friends with someone who loves fashion so this conversation was something that I felt needed to be had I had to bring it to the table and I had to talk to her about her past her present, her future. Like I said, she's someone that I've known for eight years now. And she is like a pillar in my life. She is my accountability partner. She helped me do my vision board that I did a few weeks ago. If you follow me on Who Moved My Back in on Instagram, you'd have seen that I did like a vision board. So she's the one that I did it with. Um, so I hope you enjoyed this episode. Her name is Yolanda and I call her Yolande. So it's actually weird for me to say Yolanda, will I never say that? Um, so I hope you enjoyed the episode. Let me know what you think. As always, use the hashtag who moved my back in. And you know, Hello. I haven't interviewed anybody in a whole year, so I don't even know what to ask uh, you right now. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we'll just we'll just flow. We can um I guess people like to hear. I'm just thinking of like just stories. Um, oh, and do you know what? This is one thing I was thinking about right earlier today mm. on my drive around the whole world I did this morning. <laughs> you are actually a very, very good storyteller. You have a way of telling a story. Like you always have me cracking up. You have a way of telling a story that I'm, I just admire. It's like, how do you tell a story like that? Like that is so cool. <laughs> Do you know what? Maybe because Mary was saying this to me because she was like, 
Um, you, have you ever thought of having a YouTube channel where you're... Um, I forgot how she put it because there's a there's someone that I watch called Cindy something on YouTube. Mm-hmm. She's black, but she's got natural blue eyes. She was married okay. to like a Japanese or Chinese guy. She's going for a divorce now, but she tells stories while doing her makeup. But she tells it so so. Mary was basically saying like I'm like her like, and I like watching her because my thing is I like. It, when I tell something, I mean, you know, for some people it's like too much detail, but I like to create the seat. Like, I want you to feel like you were there with me. (laughs) And this is what this Cindy girl does. So when she's telling her story, I feel like I'm back, you know, back to 1960, you know, I'm there with, you know, (laughs) like, like it's just incredible. Like she just has that. So yeah, even Mary was like, you know, you can naturally, you need to do something with this. And I thought maybe through podcasting, I will, you know, do something. Yeah, I feel episode. like naturally it's going to happen as you as you start your podcast, which is coming yeah. out. Well, it's out now, right? Same day as this one. So it's kind of yeah. like finish finish listening to this one and then move on to yeah. that one. Um, <laughs> I wanted you to come on and I wanted you, I wanted you to... Oh, I'm forgetting my words, but basically yeah. this is this is the thing. Let me break it down. Mm. Um, whenever I have an idea, I'll come to you. You're one of the first people that I come to, right? Because I trust yeah. you and I think you're smart and you're very creative. And I feel like you kind of, you see people's visions very, very easily. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh. first I want to do this. You, you kind of go with it, you see it. And oh. out of okay. all the 100,000 ideas that I've come to you about, <laughs> There's never been one that you were like, oh, I don't think that'll work. You're always like, okay, yeah, we can kind of find a way to to work with that. Because you know a lot. <laughs> you. I know you're very people, humble I, with it. I think I underestimate. <laughs> people say that to me all the time. And I'm just like, you know, I think one of the things I didn't do in my 20s was celebrate my achievements. I just felt like now the next and the next and the next and the next and made a lot of sacrifices um and then like during the time of even like control risks I just thought you know what fashion fashion is not maybe I just need to you know get into the corporate world do you do have a proper job you know let me see how this nine to five I ain't done it in like eight years So what's control risks your first corporate job? Yeah, in like since apart from like my graduate job when I was 21, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, that was like my first yeah, corporate kind of job. I rem- is- I would remember the first time that I saw you. So we met about eight years ago now, it was in 2014, right? Yes. Yeah, it was yes. 2014. It was 2014, yes. Um and I worked in an office which was glass was, there was no walls and controllers yeah. but it was all oh, glass yeah and I see this girl walking from reception I think you're wearing like a blue like Blade, a navy yeah. blue oh my god you got outfit. was it a jumpsuit it was um do you know what I think maybe it was, was it a jumpsuit maybe it was mm-hmm. navy blue and you're wearing like white or cream heels white. which had like a flower yeah. on the front yeah. on the side. oh my god I still have those shoes. I don't wear them, but I love them. <laughs> and, and I, I remember looking, 
Yeah, I remember looking. Yeah, because it was proper corporate, right? It's a proper corporate yeah. company, yeah. and there's not a lot of blacks in there, right? Yeah. So I was like, "Who's yeah. that? Like, Who's that? Who's that?" <laughs> and I looked at and I looked at you as you yeah. walked past, and I looked at me, me who comes to work in jeans with chinos <laughs> and trainers and a t-shirt, and I'm like, "Hmm." <laughs> I don't know if we have anything in common here. Like, it's not, I'm not mm, I don't see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, the, but the funny thing is, I remember that's the first time I saw you, but I don't remember the first time I spoke to you. Yeah. I think the I first don't. time, maybe I came up to you because what it was, was I got tired of people coming up to me and calling me Clyde. <laughs> that was my, and I was, and it, and I remember one particular incident where the guy literally came up to me and he's because obviously my name's not Clytie so <laughs> when people are calling Clytie I'm not my attention I'm still working because that's not my name <laughs> and I remember the guy was so frustrated and he came to my desk and he was like Clytie and it hit me like <laughs> why does everyone think I'm Clytie who is this Clytie <laughs> you know and then I had to tell him that, look, my name's Yolanda. I'm not Clyde. And he was, and he was so like, oh, sorry, you all look alike. Yeah, he because was, now you're Yolanda. He was one of the old, senior. Old. And then I thought, I need to find out who this Clyde is because <laughs> if we look this alike, like he's not the first person. And even someone within my team one time accidentally called me Clyde and then corrected themselves. And I was like, who's this is Clyde? Honestly. So he then told me, oh, there's a, there's a, no, there's a Clyde, there is a, someone, I can't remember how, but basically found out that there's a Clyde, she exists. <laughs> I remember coming to your office one time and then I think I said to you, um, you're Clyde or something like that. I always get called Clyde and then we both laughed because it was like, <laughs> we're looking at each other. Like <laughs> we don't even look alike, that's the thing about it, it's like. And then I think that's when, like, we kind of started talking. So why did you decide to go into corporate world? I mean, I'm happy you did. Yeah. Maybe God sent you to go to yeah. me. I don't know. But um, so you were in fashion. You've been in, you were in fashion from early. Uh, yeah, for, for a long time. I would say, like, my, since, uh, what year was it? So basically since I was 20, when I was 24 was when I got like a proper, um, you know, senior fashion role. But prior to that, wow. I, I was still like, yeah, kind of um, doing bits here and there. I even worked at John Lewis head office in the fashion buying department. So that was my okay. first insight into. And at the time, I just felt like I was looking for a graduate role. I had jewelry a lot like people that know me from that back then would know like I was that person that I love statement pieces and mm. just loved jewelry and would sometimes even sell jewelry and like at fairs and just at stuff so I think with that naturally I was just like mm, had some interest in fashion but I wasn't thinking I want to work in fashion or anything like that I was just thinking you know, I've got, I've done this investigative journalism and I remember reading stats and, pe you know, so many people are saying you never, ever, um, it's hard to get a career in the job you studied, um, in the subject you studied. 
And I just was like, I'm not going to be that person. I will work in the media sector because, yeah, all that money and time. That's you lot's problem. (laughs) Yeah, like, I ain't going to be, you know. So briefly before getting a job in the media um, industry, I basically, yeah, got this graduate role at John Lewis Head Office. So I thought, oh, this is exciting, something different. And I remember going for the interview and it was, the lady was basically like, the challenge was I didn't have a fashion background. At that time, they ideally wanted someone with some sort of fashion background for the role. But I sent this letter. I remember I saw the advert in the Evening Standard newspaper and I sent this letter and I basically was like, look, I know I don't have a fashion degree but I know what I can bring to this role. I have all these transferable skills. And I think that taught me something, like a big thing early on, like don't ever think you're not qualified. If you believe in something and you really want to do it, just try Like what's the worst that's going to happen? They're going to what reject you, you know, yeah. but at least you tried, at least, you know, you've done all of that. So I basically, um, yeah, wrote to them sent the letter in the post because it wasn't like all these email applications. It wasn't 2022. <laughs> exactly. It was not 2022. It's now mail, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so it off. And then they replied and they invited, you know, the lady invited me in for an interview. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is actually happening. Like, and I remember I was like, right, it's a fashion role. I know I need to look smart because it's still like a corporate-y kind of fashion role. Mm. But I had this blazer that, so but when I was a student, I used to, I worked um, for Mango and Harrods, like during the summer, I had a retail job. And there was this blazer I used to wear. And every time I wore this blazer in Harrods, people would always like comment on it and ask questions. They were like, it's so amazing. It was basically black and it had cut out like floral um, bits, but it looked really smart. Um, so I was like, that's the blazer I'm going to wear to me because people always show show an interest. So I had to go in, um, interview, it went well. She commented on my blazer. So I was like, (laughs) I'm glad I wore this blazer. (laughs) They were like, because I don't have this fashion background, I'm going to have to do a series of tests. exams and all this stuff well not exam like tests and things so I was like fine done the test passed all of them um so then they offered me the role but the role wasn't as creative as I thought it was very business you know like there was a lot of negotiating with people in Hong Kong um about fabrics that we wanted to buy and stock and there was a lot of spreadsheets involved and it did, when I look back and I reflected, it was, I was meant to do that role. And I would get people calling, like companies saying, did you receive, you know, um, our introductory package in terms of what fabrics we can offer John Lewis? And, you know, so I got to see how you present something to mm. a department store when you want to get stocked in there. Yeah. Um, how you follow up how you, you know, I got familiar with suppliers that we stocked and why we stocked them. Um, The importance of having a good supply chain that was reliable. So these companies are thinking, look, if we buy from these people, 
um, we're never going to be in a situation where we have no fabric to, like, they have their stuff in. So all these things I was picking up, but I didn't know this at the time. I was just thinking, I just need to get a media job. This this right here is not, (laughs) it's not it. I don't care about fabrics. (laughs) I was like, and the spreadsheets. But, like, I think about it, and I was so young, like, I was 21, and I think... I used to go to the branch, go on branch visits, go to the stores, talk to the managers and see how things are positioned. And it was almost like you're managing a small part of the business, you know, but you don't even think about these things. So I think that really brought me into that world. And then like, I think I was there for like eight months and it was great. And then I became like, you know um friends with the fashion buyer and you know um other people from other departments so I would spend a lot of time in their departments and realize oh all their samples are in a size 12 this is how they you know get new brands in and blah 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 so it was there was so much learning Mm. um involved in that but prior to this uh fashion role I did briefly work um for Hachette Filipaki for Elle magazine Mm-hmm. Um, but it was very brief. It was like a temporary contract. I was probably there like three months um, mm. and got to do some work in the fashion cupboard. And I fell in love with the freeness, to be honest. Mm. Every, every, it just felt like every day I was just bringing so much perfumes, books, because you get set so much stuff. And I was like, this is a dream job. Why would yeah. anyone ever leave it? <laughs> um, and because they're based in Marble Arch, Topshop would send us invites to come today we're going to give you like just for your staff 50 percent of anything oh really? where all my money went so that was not a wow good. <laughs> yeah that's dangerous though yeah so dangerous but um so yeah that gave me kind of like some appetite and a taster for you know and and generated some sort of interest to see oh let's let me explore this fashion thing a bit deeper but when I did do it like I said it was very business um it wasn't creative enough and I wasn't ready but I learned so much so Mm. then I was like it's time for me to actually apply for my media role so like so you're still trying I was still trying so this role came up um and you know it was for like the biggest um independent production company in the UK at the time so they were called something else without the G. Mm. That's what you would okay. always have to say to people, something else without the G. Um, but they had so many divisions um, and they were huge at the time. I'm sure they're still popular now, but no one could compete with them. Mm. Um, so I saw this like kind of junior position and I was like, yeah, I could work my way up and become a producer. So I applied and I'll never forget for my like for the interview my stepdad was like oh I'll drop you off you you know since we're gonna head that way it was like near Shoreditch and I was like yeah that's that's great but for whatever reason that day the traffic was so bad it was so bad and I ended up being like 45 minutes late for the interview I almost just said you know what let's call it a day I almost forget it just yeah how am I this is just awful this is embarrassing um but it was like really out of my control the traffic was so bad but I remember I was like you know I'm still gonna show up 
because mm. I really want this role um, and I want to work in this field. So I showed up and I remember it was all really awkward and I was like, I'm so sorry. I know I'm 45 minutes late. But the track, like I was trying to explain and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you know how it is. Thinking, Traffic, yeah, but yeah. I think the bravery, the fact that I even still had the guts to, to show up yeah. and come in. Um, so went in for the interview um, and the people that owned at the time was Jez Nelson, who used to present Tomorrow's World years ago, and Anika Allen. She, yeah, her and another lady who was like one of the managers at the time, they were like, you're the last person anyway we're going to see. Let's just do the interview and get it started. And, you know, when you're so passionate and I'd done my research and I, mm. I came prepared and I think they were just so impressed they forgot about the fact that I was 45 minutes late. Yeah. <laughs> and there and then, um, I remember, like, um, leaving. They were like, thank you for coming, blah, blah, blah. And the next day they called me and were like, when can you start? Oh wow! <laughs> I was like, ah, oh my god, this is like amazing, and um, yeah, they were like, because I was like, I really want to become a producer. I want to produce documentaries. That was like my dream, um, and they were like, yeah, they used to produce Misha Paris's show, Soul Solutions. There were all these things they were like, you'll get involved in, and then I ended up meeting all these other talented people and then at the time we signed Kojo um because he was yeah he was yeah. coming up in the comedy world we signed um I think it was Alicia Dixon and there was another okay. one Emily so we had all this talent and Ashley Waters um yeah. we signed him up um and I was really enjoying it but the fashion thing so what basically happened was I started like, I used to just love writing, you know. Um, I wouldn't say like I'm an amazing writer, but like you mentioned, it's the storytelling side. So I basically write how I speak. So people yeah. would really enjoy, <laughs> I think, reading the articles. It wasn't no like, you know, and I think I appealed to a lot of people. So someone then recommended me. So at the time, New African Woman magazine was launching. Mm -hmm. um and they um they already had a magazine called new african um something so they were like the editor of that was like i know nothing about all this fashion beauty um i don't want to write about it i don't have time i'm trying to focus on new african magazine they've now launched new african woman so it was kind of like um someone then recommended me something mm. like that so she invited me in for an interview. She was like, um, and then I got to meet the publisher. And they were like, can you write for us? Um, we're going to pay you. I liked that word because I was mm. like, oh, I'm going to get paid for this? You mean I don't do this for free? <laughs> there was no even, the free word wasn't even mentioned. And they yeah. were like, if you write articles for us, we'll pay you. So I was like, amazing. Um, and then they were like, and we need someone to cover London Fashion Week. So I was like, wow, like, you mean I'm yeah. <laughs> going to London Factory? I had never been before, you see. Um, so I was just on a high. I was excited. So I started doing that on the side, just writing. And then by 
chance I happened to go to London Fashion Week um, and then done this interview. It was amazing, um, this designer. And then I um, ended up through that meeting the CEO of, well, one of the CEOs of this New York-based company called Nolpshire. Mm. So we got talking and we really hit it off. You know, just hit it off with someone. I didn't think anything of it. We kept in touch, exchanged details. And then like maybe like nearly, maybe like seven months later, less than a year later, basically, I was on holiday um, with two friends in Greece, um, living my best life. And back then you would go to, you know, for like, you would then go to the internet cafe. It wasn't like on your phone. Oh my God. I remember <laughs> internet cafes. I'm really sure. I thought I forgot about now. them. Yeah, I thought I forgot about them. We did. We did have to go pay a pound for like 10 minutes exactly. or something like that. Exactly. So on holiday, just out the blue, I was like, you know what? Let me just go and check my emails. Um, so I went, so I went and I saw an email from um, the CEO of Notre saying they've got this event fashion event and in park in park lane um it's happening in two weeks time her business partner has fallen has become ill she cannot do this event like it's impossible she um she can't leave him basically and she Mm -hmm. was like do you think you can produce this fashion event for 300 investment bankers at the park lane hotel so you've never done events at all never 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 (laughs) So in my head, I was like, what's that? <laughs> and she was like, look, we're going to pay you, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I've never done anything like this before. And I think the lesson there is sometimes, you know, like, um, you know, some of the books that we read and stuff, like you have to get uncomfortable, do stuff outside of your comfort zone. Just go for but it. Was, was it out. out of your comfort zone or was it out of your expertise <laughs> or experience? I mean... I think I think everything, everything. <laughs> I just saw it as like, it's a project. Let me manage yeah. this thing. But I kind of freaked out and I remember like, my friends were like, yeah, go for it. And I was like, I'm going to have to start doing some work. So I started working while I was on holiday. <laughs> Because oh yeah I've, I've got two weeks to pull this thing off hold on like, they gave you two weeks yeah the event was in two weeks <laughs> so I started trying to find designers you know in the UK and you know and then I came across this designer called Georgie Couture at the time and then her manager got in contact with me Amelie she was very formal um, mm. and I was like can we have her showcase and it's so funny because me and Amelie now we're really good friends, but th- this is basically how we met. And mm. I was like, I'm doing this event. And I think it helps the fact that it was at the Park Lane Hotel because I think people thought, oh, interesting. Park Lane. Yeah. But then I had to find models. Um, so hold on, they gave you like a blank slate. They gave you nothing. Basically, yeah. Yeah, there wasn't anything. Um, so it was. <laughs> so what I did think, they think they were going to do in two weeks? I'm, I'm so confused. Like, what had they been I doing all they, this time? I think because the business part, <laughs> the business part, was so I think they had sorted out the makeup, the hair and makeup. the venue. That's it. And the venue, yeah. And the guests were gonna be there. So it was just like. So I remember, like, just just now working on holiday. So we come back to the UK. By this time, it's like two days before the. Um, no, we come back. I think I had a week actually. 
And somehow I, it just came together. Like I can't even, models got sorted. Um, you know, everything just, the event happened. It was a success. The investment bankers were so happy. Mm. Um, and they were like, oh my God, this is amazing. The designers were happy. Then they were like, oh my God, is this what you're doing a regular? We're always trying to reach these kind of clients for our clients. And I was like, I wanted to say that because it's my first time, but I just styled it out because I didn't mm-hmm. want to freak anyone out. They're like, yeah, yeah, Have yeah. I done this before? Yeah. <laughs> so I think because it was so good and it was such a success, eventually like they poached me and she was like, look, can you become our fashion director? We're going to give you a job. Um, a whole fashion, fashion director. director. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> so, like, so sort of so the one that also got booted. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, I was just like, well, yeah, I guess so. And that's basically how the journey, how my Stop journey it. into fashion started. And I think, and then from there, I started building contacts. And I think because it was an industry that I wasn't familiar with. Um, I was a novice. Um, and I naturally will talk to people. So I think what really helped, like I've mentioned before in the past, is that naivety. So I could just like, it could be the CEO of the British Fashion Council. And I'm like, oh, hi, how are you? How's your day? Whereas most people are like, oh, I can't go up to her. That's the CEO, blah, blah, blah. Oh, no, yeah. that's, you know, whereas yeah. I didn't know who anyone was. So I'm talking to everybody. <laughs> like, like, no, I'm going to talk to you the same way. Else. At times I felt like, oh, was is that? Oh, I didn't know. But, you know, at the time it was just like, <laughs> I'm talking to people and I became a networker. I just networked. Um, and eventually I'd done the fashion director role for a year and then I left and then built my own, because I think I liked the role, but what I, what I wanted to do more of was focus on the business of fashion. Mm-hmm. The role didn't allow me to focus enough on the business side. It was more the creative you know the production bringing things to life the 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 styling aspects and you know I got to work on some amazing projects like don't Mm. get me wrong but it was just kind of like I think that thing was missing where I want to sit down with a designer and understand why have you not reached target with you know your collection financially because Mm. without understanding all those things you're not and without being sustainable um, you're not going to survive. Yeah. You can't keep doing events and shows and getting all these people. It's like, what's actually going to get your brands to stay here in 10 years' time, in five years' time? Yeah. I feel like naturally my interest was that business side. Um, but because the production of the business was so important, um, I had to just keep going so with regards to my first ever fashion event as a business that was scary that was um is that because it a, was yours I think as in was, your name was behind it yeah so another thing I want to touch upon was when I launched my business because people always ask me about names what to call their brand and blah 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 and I always talk about my personal experience my story so yeah. 
when I, I mean, I was young, I was like 25 or something by then, 26. And in my head, it was like, I want it to sound like zhuzh. That was my mm. thing. Like, it needs mm. to sound, you know. So I came up with this thing and I was like, I'm going to name it. And I want like, because of my culture and my background, I need some French in there. I need something. Mm. So I actually initially named it Le Genève North. And I wanted people to pronounce it like that. Like Le, Le Genève North. Exactly. Le Genève North. <laughs> What's North? Like North? As in North was just representing the fact that I'm from North London. I know. <laughs> no, there was nothing to it. The importance of really think. That's why I tell people, really think about these things because I didn't. And sometimes it works out for people. Yeah, but so, oh, we've all been there. We've all been there where we just, so, oh, this sounds nice. This is it. And I was like, I love that. This is how people are going to say it. And then people would say it and it's like, that's not how you pronounce it. They'd be like, like a never, never. you know, all kinds of, no one could ever say it. Like they were like, Leganev, Leganev. They would forget the North. They would forget this. So I, I, I now had this event. <laughs> My first ever event. Oh, my goodness. Um, everything was going so smooth. I had some amazing designers that I had met and, you know, sold the idea to him. was like, this is going to be phenomenal. Um, would love you on board. I managed to get Mary Kay to sponsor as one amazing. of my sponsors. I was trying to, I think, at the time, get Mac. But they were like, you've never done, like, what can you show us that? you know, track record history. And it was like, um, this faith, baby. Time, but yeah, trust faith. me. And yeah, it was just like, faith. why don't you do this first? Um, and then we'll talk. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but Mary Kay were amazing. They sent me all these products. And then by, I happened to meet this other lady and she was a black woman launching a makeup line. So I think at the time I just felt like, I need to give her that that platform as well. She was really interested in sponsoring. She was like, look, Will Smith and Jada Pinkett are interested. They're going to invest in my brand. They're going to... So, and she was an older lady. And I was like, wow. So again, naive. And I just thought, yeah, let me give the opportunity to her. Mm. So I did. I was like, she was like, I'm going to get my makeup artist down and they're going to do all your makeup for your models and blah, blah, blah. But then on the day of the show, she didn't show up. I called her. Luckily, someone had heard about, um, this makeup artist had heard about the event and she was up and coming and she messaged me. She was like, she was really lovely. And she was like, I'd love to do some makeup. Um, and I was like, I've already got a team and, you know, someone that's handling that. But I'm sure we could do with an extra hand. Because she was mm. just so lovely. We had a conversation. I was like, come down. Yeah. So she now come, shows up. But obviously she can't do 10 models in the space of time that's left. Yeah. It's impossible. So I, I get home, I'm dizzy, I'm, my head is spinning. I'm meant to be getting changed. I, I don't even know why I wasted going back home because I was like, I just need to go back to the venue. I just need to sort this out. It's not going to go away. This problem yeah. <laughs> So I didn't even get to do like my makeup, get dressed nicely to greet my, you know, potential sponsors or guests or nothing. Get back to the venue now. And now these times the backstage manager and stylist, they're coming up to me and they're like, what's going on now? What are we doing about so many models haven't had their hair and makeup done. 
wear these makeup oh artists. So the truth, the reality had to. So I was They're like, not coming. They're not coming. They're not coming. And then when I called the woman, I was like, can't believe this has happened. She goes, they were there, but they can't. They couldn't find your venue, so they went. They left. Why are you lying? How did they not find this venue? And even if they couldn't, why didn't they call me? And I remember even at one point I was walking up and down Brick Lane like a crazy person because <laughs> she was like, they're there, they're there. And I'm like, I've walked up and down twice. They're not here. <laughs> You're lying. <laughs> she was like, they had a taxi. Can you not see? I was like, oh, my gosh. So anyway, um, I was oh, like. Pause. Did her brand actually do anything? Nothing nothing you know well good for you for trying to take a chance on her listen i tried you tried tried. this is the thing i took a risk um and this is it business is about risks um you're gonna have challenges ideally i pray no one ever has these kind of challenges because honestly (laughs) but you need some kind of challenge you know it it get you what's what's word um it gives character yeah, <laughs> you know, you, you grab thick skin. This kind of challenge for my first event, but it, it, it happened. So, so, so you managed to get all so the makeup what done. Ended up happen- so, yeah, so what ended up happening was everybody, some of the models, their parents came. So everyone became a makeup artist. So the par- the model's parents, the, the one makeup artist that I had, she was explaining to people what to do. Poor her. So my backstage manager became a makeup artist. If I had the strength, I would have gone in there. But I literally at this point did not even. <laughs> You're having your own meltdown over there. I'm having my own meltdown over there. But everyone backstage. And because the makeup artist bought a whole trolley, we were just using her makeup. That's the only yeah. makeup that was available. And the show happened. It was a huge success. If you saw the pictures, you wouldn't even know. The madness there was that an happened. Issue. Um, and we ended up getting all these press features. Even Cosmopolitan featured us. Oh, nice. You know, so I was really excited. But what I was annoyed about was going back to the name, this legend. People were spelling it wrong. So when you would Google <laughs> the event... You had to know the designers, not the the company or the event, because people would just it wouldn't come up in Google. You know now Google at least it has correction. And yeah, did you mean you didn't have that yeah. back in the day? You had to put the right. And we thing. had back then we had Ask Jeeves. Remember Ask Jeeves? Yes. <laughs> exactly. We had all of that, and it was just kind of like, and I think that was the turning point for me. I felt like. Let me try and do another season of this Legend Eve North. But I think after, I think maybe a year, I said it's time to rebrand. This Legend Eve North is not working. To be fair, to be fair, let's just pause, yeah. Fair enough, you might feel like he wasn't working. Mm. Um, let's take French, some French brands that are mispronounced. For yeah. the longest time, I called Givenchy Givenchy, because that's how it's called, Givenchy. Mm. But Balmain. you can still spell Balmain. it the way it's, it's... That's true. Yeah, yeah. But if but you tell me what it is without yeah. me knowing that it's spelled like Givenchy, I'm not yeah. going to know how to spell that. <laughs> but how do you even pronounce it? Givenchy. I don't, see, I don't know if you know how it's pronounced. Yeah, Givenchy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, La Genève 
North. Exactly. Would have been would have been pronounced wrong, but it's okay. It, it was okay. I just thought, like, for someone who is not, I ain't Givenchy. No one's trying to to find out and make the effort to know. You know, <laughs> just no one cares. You know, I'm not Louis Vuitton. No one cares. So I'm like, I need to know. It's time to rebrand. And it was frustrating because that involved changing the logo. So I then changed it to LGN Events. Okay. But then it was like, I had to change the logo. I had to change, get the website changed. It ended oh, yeah. up costing all this money. Everything was re, had to get a, a rebrand, a refresh. And even when I was like pitching to new potential clients and stuff, because in the beginning, um, I'd done a lot of the pitching, you know, people just mm. think, I think a lot of people that saw my journey later on when they were seeing like when the celebrities started to come to my events and it was now in central London and at five star hotel, like they didn't see the beginning in Brick Lane when I nearly broke down. So I think for them, it was, I think I had to, like when I rebranded as well, I had to, consistently explain to potential new client sponsors that these are my press links and the work I've done I know the name is slightly different but I've just rebranded so I had to explain that because mm. otherwise it's like your LGN events you don't have yeah you don't have like, any well, paper trail yeah. yeah it's just like how like you know so it was a bit frustrating and it was I felt like at the time costly but I put in the work to quickly build the business up um and I think people always and the thing is I had a lot of days um when I look back I really worked hard people don't realize because people just be like how did you get this designer or this client or and I'm like I worked hard you know when you say worked Um, hard what does worked hard mean I'm talking like there was one day for and I made sacrifices so there was one day where my computer just crashed on me. It stopped working. Mm. And I was like, hell no, this has to get done. Like, I was that determined. I was like, I'm not waiting another day. So I called up my friend, one of my friends, Oz, and was like, my computer's died. Can I come to your house to use your computer? Is that okay? And um, she was like, yeah, come by. She she lived with her parents and her Mm. little sister. You know, and I was like, it's going to be a late one. Like I got so much to do. And she was like, yeah. So I went to her house and that day I didn't sleep for 24 hours. So in the morning I was still working oh. for 24 hours from when I woke up till the next wow. day I was on the, the computer. So when her little sister woke up, she came in the room and was like, have you been on that computer? Is that the, did you not sleep? So I thought this is not a good example. So I said to her, of course I slept. I slept and then I woke up and I I'm part of the up. five AM club, okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but the truth is I didn't sleep. I didn't sleep. I had a mission. I had to get the stuff done and it was gonna get done regardless. So yeah. that was the determination. That was the you know, and around fashion week, I never I didn't sleep much. Um and I got to a stage in my business where I used to produce like 14 shows a season you know so there's two seasons (laughs) exactly so there's two seasons um every year and each season it takes about six months to plan every show really 
There's that little walk down the runway and yeah, went back. Yeah, 10 minutes. Yes, yes. You know, four to six months of planning. I'm sorry, if anyone's in fashion listening to this, I don't mean to downplay your little swag. <laughs> I'm not in fashion, okay? <laughs> oh, for that 10 minutes. Honestly, you know. Wow, that's that's crazy. A lot to think about. And what I found was a lot of like, especially new designers or international designers, needed a lot of hand-holding. And that's where my expertise, I think that's why people chose to produce shows with me as opposed mm. to competitors, because they would come from a board, like I'm literally just talking them through everything. I'm going through things like, what's your music for you? If it really reflects what you're trying to show and the culture and if everything kind of blends in well, if it didn't, I would advise and just tell them to make certain changes I'll look at their whole collections and be like you know maybe edit this focus on this this is too much there was no one giving you that level of mentorship yeah and making your journey so smooth I I used to have a pack that recommended like where they should stay where they should go while they're here who they need to connect with while they're in the UK if they're not from the UK or even if they're in the UK you know Um, And I think that's um, so because of that, I was able to charge certain prices and they wouldn't budge. Whereas my competitors were were like, how, like, why are people willing to pay? But they saw like the level and then I managed to get like big sponsors like, you know, the like L'Oreal. When people see that L'Oreal sponsoring your event immediately they're thinking this is serious you know yeah so the quality of my sponsors um increased um and then they saw more events so that was basically the journey and then what happened was I'd done that for years and then I started producing shows in other parts of the world getting invited to just work on projects and um produce shows and then other people started other companies started hiring me to produce shows on their behalf. So people be like, what are you doing the rest of the year? And I'm like, it's very busy. First of all, trying to plan 14 shows every season is a lot. And when I'm not there, I'm abroad (laughs) doing other shows. So I traveled a lot and I worked a lot. I made a lot of sacrifices. I missed weddings. I missed, you know, it, it was a lot, you know? So, um, there was that. So there was a lot of highs. Um, there were also like a lot of, um, there were also lows, but I tried not to focus on those. Mm. Um, you know, when I look back, I'm like, this is hilarious. You know, you know, I talk about the time, like I think about there was a time where I nearly got sued basically by a multi-million pound company. Why? But, uh, oh, basically they had trademarked a certain word that was used in one of my events. Oh. It's not a word that you would think um, would get. Trademarked. Used. Yeah, basically trademarked, like even allowed to be trademarked. Because I'm like, this is a regular word. Anyone can say, how is how did they allow this to happen? And they waited. This event had been advertised for months, but they waited till the day to turn my event it. to send me an email basically saying if I 
go ahead with the event, I have to pay them all this money because they're on my website and thinking, yeah, they got a lot of money and we're going to get some of that money. <laughs> so another thing on that on the day of that event, that was another time I knew they had a heart attack because I was like, I now um, have partnered with the prestigious British brand. There's no way I can cancel this event. This is my reputation on the line. It has yeah. to go ahead. They're like, their lawyers are back and forth, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I'm like, the event has to go ahead. I'll deal with that later. But it was stress because they were threatening. And the whole night I was uncomfortable because I kept thinking, are they going to show up and shut down the whole thing? <laughs> but I don't think they can. I think they can show up and watch and then just continue to sue you. <laughs> <laughs> I think at the time I was just like, I don't even know what's going on. This is just coming. Um, and yeah, I remember just, just being like, yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather go to jail than my reputation. This event so has to happen. So this event was on the British Fashion Council website for four months, three to four months. These people knew about this event. Everyone was talking about this event. Yeah. They waited till the last, on the day. Come on. Luckily, what saved me, so then I had to find the best business lawyer I could afford. So I went to Fleet got a contact in Fleet Street. The guy was £250 an hour. I had to pay it. <laughs> I had to pay it. There was no... £250? <laughs> oh, my £250 gosh. £250 an hour. And he was like, right, let's go through this. And I remember going on the, the website, the Fashion Rocks website, and nearly having a heart attack because all I saw was Prince Charles, P. Diddy. If they, this is the people that they've got, I have no chance. Yeah. So, yeah. So my what saved me was because I got paid by Jalouse and the British Fashion Council. So tickets were not sold. It was a private event. So okay. my thing to them was, look, I never made money from this. I didn't charge tickets. It was an open fashion week party Um like I'm not I never monetized off your name. That was my Yeah, argument. that was a defense. <laughs> so the my lawyer, he was good. He helped me like, you know, come up with some, some stuff. And my boyfriend at the time, he really um helped me construct the solid letter because I think I was tired, mentally drained. Um yeah. and just just tired after that. We put this thing together and then luckily they accepted my apology. They had no proof I had monetized of it, but they did say that I have to make a donation to the Prince's Trust fine. or their charity that the yeah, that Prince Trust. So I was like, fine, I'll do the, yeah, the donation. Yeah. So I sent them like a check. I can't remember how much. And I was like, here's a donation. Um, never using that again. But I just thought, jeez. The stress, because it was like on the night, like I'm trying to talk to people and clients, and but all I keep thinking is, oh my gosh, I shouldn't be having this event because I've you like I don't know how my life I could be in jail next week. I don't know how these <laughs> things work. <laughs> like this could be my last show. This could be the last one. Oh, this is the thing that's gonna bankrupt me, you know. <laughs> so, so you did events for a while. And then, for a while. but when did the passion of 
consulting came in because you are a fashion consultant, right? Yeah, and you consult yeah. with like emerging brands and how to how to get in, grow, get in, grow their business, start their business. Um, yeah, you know, literally handhold them through the, you know creating a successful and sustainable brand what they need how did so how did you get into that side of things were you just like I'm done with events so yeah so I got to that side of things because um when I was approaching 30 I became really ill um and basically they were like oh basically I'm gonna have to have surgery on my lungs you know um and I think that made me think about everything to do with my life, mm. personal relationships and just life. Because when they say the, when these kind of tragic things happen, you're just kind of like, oh, my gosh, all this. What's what's worth it in my life? What? And yeah, it makes you reevaluate, like, what are you actually interested in? And I realized that I was no longer passionate about the events in terms of putting them together um because it was tiring it took away a lot of my time it was I had to manage a team and I didn't want to manage people anymore basically I wanted to do something and I remember um Ali Brown who's someone that I followed for years um she's a marketing expert um you know, and I remember reading about her story, but I remember her saying, oh, I made a million pounds with no employees, just one virtual assistant. And I just felt like, you know what? I'm tired of managing people. Like, I need to focus on me. It's not and, easy. You know, want to do like a one-to-one thing. And because there was such demand, I was turning a lot of people down in a way because it'll be like, we'll do the shows, we'll produce them. Then I'll have a really small window to work with the brands. And then it's like next season kicks in and I've got to move on to the next brands. And then I, there's only me and I don't have time mm. to, you know, fully. So that was kind of where I was like, what am I actually interested in? And then I thought about it and I thought, I want to do the consulting side. I want to focus on that. But I I guess because I was going through a lot of health issues, personal issues, then a part of me was like, you know what? Maybe I just need to get a corporate job. Maybe I need to grow up, leave this life. It was great. Um, it's been a high. I never, ever stopped. Um, you know, even when I stopped doing producing shows and I stopped at my, prime, like, I was at the height of the height. Like, yeah. I had, and I think a lot of people struggled with understanding you know, like sometimes you have that person there and they're at the top of their game. Nothing's happened. It's like, but where are they? You know, mm. like usually a lot of it is, it's a downfall. Something happened and they went on a downfall. And But it wasn't that. I had a waiting list of never-ending clients. So I think for people, it was just like, why would you stop doing this? When you you're know, like they couldn't riding the high. Like, yeah. Just, you know, you've worked with... So many people like Kelly Rowland, Sadella Marley, all these, like, why would you stop now? But I think I was so passionate about what I delivered. And those people were just focused on the profitability 
I mean, mm. it was a profitable business, don't get me wrong, but they were just so focused on how much money they were going to make. And I felt like they're not going to care about my clients. I genuinely care about my clients and want their businesses to succeed. Like I invest my heart and soul. If I can't find anyone that's going to do that, I'd rather shut the whole thing down. Yeah. I don't know if that was the best decision when I reflect, um, but I felt felt like for me at that time, that was the best for me. So shut left that, then got started looking into a corporate role, had surgery, took some time out. Um, when I had surgery, actually, I couldn't walk because it was in my lungs. So mm. I really needed time out. I had to learn to walk again, all that kind of stuff. Wow. Um, so there was a lot I was dealing with. And then it almost felt like when I finally recovered, it was... 2014 I had new energy I felt like a new person and I was like right I'm ready to now get out there and just smash the corporate world you know um <laughs> but it was like no, smash the corporate world <laughs> just get in there <laughs> let's, let's do this you know that's the way I, I thought the story was going but okay <laughs> <laughs> But I remember like feeling like, am I even employable? Because I have worked for myself for the past eight years. Like who's going to, people, some, you know, they might feel like the, that entrepreneur kind of spirit. Am I going to be able to be committed to the role mm-hmm. or whatever? So I remember meeting up with my agency and I was like, look, I've got a lot of, transferable skills but I feel like a corporate marketing role would be a great fit and although I don't have that specific experience but like I said I've got a lot of transferable skills and control risk was actually the first role we applied for um oh wow yeah I hadn't even looked at any (laughs) she was she was like how does this look and I was like what's this talking about kidnappings how you market a company that specializes in kidnapping? <laughs> so basically, you know, like, I think we need to give some context. So, so control yeah. risks, that's what we met. So we both worked yeah. there. And what they are, they are a risk consultancy. So they do deal with like a lot of political risks. So sometimes yeah. that means kidnapping. I know some people were doing some work with the pirates in Somalia that risk yes. there. So yeah. it deals with a lot of risk so it's not just it's not it's like it's a company that kidnaps people they are risk yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) sorry guys yeah that's basically yeah (laughs) but at the time it was just kind of like this is crazy but my my agency were like go for it I remember that the marketing director she just gave me Anna Wintour vibes I found Mm. her so scary like (laughs) was she was she was she pregnant at the time or she wasn't pregnant then no, she wasn't pregnant. The, no, the um, other person the one that was two. pregnant. Yeah, but at the time there was just one when I... Okay, and then yeah. The other one came back, yeah, the one that, you know. Yeah. And I remember just being like, oh my gosh, she's so scary. And I realised that she just had to have that authoritative look. When you're in that male-dominated industry, your masculine energy comes out. Um, yeah. I can only, you know, imagine what she's she had to deal with on a day-to-day basis because... It was like predominantly males and yeah. you know, that kind of industry. So I remember her just being like, um, you know, she 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 burst in into the room 
and like even her cup of tea fell everywhere. Like oh, she damn. was just, and I was like, oh my God, this is so nerve wracking. This is not, you know, and I remember us like her interviewing me and being like, why do you want to work here? You've worked for yourself. Like, yeah. what is, how you like, why are you going to stay? And I said, look, it's a contract role. It's not a permanent role. Um, and I specifically, um, you know, chosen to to do this role because I don't know if I'm going to like it, basically. And I don't know how I'm going to feel. And so I didn't want to commit to anything permanent anyway. And she was just like, I think she appreciated the honesty. Mm. But I was like, regardless, I'm the kind of person that I will adapt very quickly and give it 110% and all of that kind of stuff. And I remember just saying goodbye and walking down London Bridge. And I was like, why yeah. am I so cold? And I was like, oh my gosh, I left my 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 show, like my rap in the interview. So I ran back and I said to the receptionist, I'm so sorry. I I left my thing in the, you know. Person who you had the interview with to bring it out for you. And when she said that, I said, you know what? I don't actually need it. It's fine. <laughs> I left it and went home. <laughs> I was like, it's not that deep. It's fine. <laughs> I was freezing. I was so cold. <laughs> I ended up getting a call like the next day, you know, and I remember my first day at work, she came up to me and she had my show on my chair. She said, here's the show you forgot. Oh, and I was just kind of like... You're just like oh. <laughs> I, was just I like, should like this one. <laughs> I was just like, oh. It was like... I don't know why you didn't come back for your show. And in my head, I'm thinking, you don't realise how scary you are. You know? Yeah. Um, Hold on. Let me... Sorry. I'm sorry. No, I was like, you don't realise how scary you are. Honestly, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and she ended up being the nicest. Like, oh my gosh, she was amazing. She ended up being like, that, like a mentor without her probably even knowing and, um, I helped her plan marketing week for the, you know, department. And it, it was yeah. just, it was amazing. I had such a great time. But I, what I will say is that it made me realize that I don't, I, I missed doing your own thing. Yeah. Because I remember, actually, um, I think I remember us talking because when we were, I don't remember how quickly or how much after we started talking that we were yeah. talking and I was like oh yeah you know I have a skincare company but that's on pause right now but I paused it as well mm. due to whatever life happening yeah and you said you used to work in fashion and you want to go back to consulting but you also really wanted to get into your art I don't know if you remember saying that oh. and you're like I really need to start drawing again and you're saying oh. that you draw and you do portraits and you're I think I don't know yeah. if you had started doing the cards or not, or you were saying that you were thinking of yeah. doing the cards. Yeah, I hadn't started yet. I started doing Because you draw, cards. for context, you draw. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm a self-taught artist. Um, it's just, I think, a hereditary thing. My granddad, my mum's dad was an artist. So I think it's just something I adopted because people used to say, but how do you just draw like that, you know? Mm. Um, but I just never made like a full career out of it but it was a big interest 
Um, mm. It's like a passion my, project, right? Yeah, passion project. So I guess I just felt like, how do I make some money from this passion project? So I think I started the cards maybe in 2016. Yeah, I think it was 2016. I was pregnant. Yeah, I was pregnant in 2016. So, but I remember you gave me a card of a pregnant lady. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it was 2016. Yeah. And I think it was just fun. Um, It was something I did for fun and made some money from it. Um, And I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. But I think sometimes, like when it's something that you really enjoy, it's a hobby it becomes pressure when you now have to make it into a business. Um, But I just want to do, I just want to draw. It's just therapy for me. Um, But I wanted to share my art with the world. Um, And I started doing like events and festivals and people were like buying a lot of my cards. And, you know, I started traveling all around the UK on the weekends and work. But, I think when it boiled down to it, it was just the um, my um, consulting, the business in me, because I like I like talking about the business of fashion. So yeah. I would read things, I would get emails. This is happening. That is happening. Um, and then I started getting recommendations from people just randomly coming in. Saying, to the, okay. Mm, do I want to talk about this on this one or is that from a personal use? Well, it might help somebody. So mm. that whole thing of, because you do consulting right now. Yeah. yeah. But the magic that you sprinkle somewhere. Yeah. Because you don't promote yourself that much. No. Not as much as you yeah. should, right? And yeah. the reason why you don't promote yourself is because you're actually overloaded. <laughs> that I remember you saying that I'm scared that if I start promoting myself, I'm going to get more requests. Yeah. So, yeah. How does that happen? Asking for me, how does yeah. that happen that yeah. you get so many recommendations and you have so many people wanting to work with you, but you yeah. don't put yourself out there? Yeah, yeah. I think I think um I think basically a lot of my recommendations come from sometimes it's someone that I worked with on a project years ago. So I think the, all the work that I'd put in initially um, yeah. wasn't in vain, basically. You know, sometimes you think, oh, you know, you're doing all this stuff, but people really remember, you know? And I always say to people, it's like that Maya Angelou quote where they say, people forget what you said, but they're never going to forget how you made them feel and all of that. Yeah. And I think throughout the years where people have gone on to do other things, and all moved on in the industry um, because they were there and they witnessed and saw what I had done previously. It's like naturally I'm that person that they think of when they're thinking of who do I know in the UK or in London, Mm. who's a fashion expert that can help Mm. this brand. You know, I think when it gets to that point where your work speaks for yourself and you have a niche um, I think it's also about like just positioning. So if I was doing loads of things, you know, this fashion, if I was styling and if I was, you know, still doing productions and if I, it's hard for someone to be like, 
she's the person to go to to grow your business. But because I'm solely focusing on a key area, yeah, people's mind immediately they think of you, you know. So I think it's one of those things where, and I've also like I used to write articles about different topics. Um, so I think it's just positioning yourself as that expert mm. in this area. Yeah. And one of the things that I did notice was there was such a need. So many people want to start businesses, not just fashion businesses, or but they're scared and they don't even know the basics, which mm-hmm. is why what you're doing is amazing and shouldn't be understood because sometimes I get those questions. Someone will be like, should I how should I set up my business? What's the yeah. difference? Yeah. How come it, should it be social enterprise? Right. So that's the thing, right? Because to us, right, it's it feels like it's common sense. Yeah. But it only feels like common sense because we've been exposed so much into and we've read so much into the difference between a private private limited company to social yeah. enterprise to sole trader. Yeah. We know all of exactly. that. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So to me, yeah. naturally, it's just like, well, it's a no brainer. Go for this. Yeah. yeah. But people who don't know yeah. who haven't embarked on that thing, it is not a no brainer. They don't know. But um, I think that and I think, do you know what? When you deliver and people continually get results. You don't even realize it, but people be will start talking. So even like with the, you know, the launch that I done for David Wedge, the three day launch. Yeah, so, so many, David Wedge is a Nigerian fashion designer yeah. who who opened his shop on just off Oxford Street. Yes. Um, opposite Vapiano. I know you lot love a bit of Vapiano, so I'm sure people know where Vapiano <laughs> is on Oxford Street. So David Wedge is like right opposite. <laughs> Even the referral for him came from a designer that um, I used to, I've done done many projects with, and she lives in Nigeria now, you know, um, and she's been living there for years. So he was like, I'm launching in the UK. You used to live in the UK. Who would you recommend? Yeah, um, the designer used to live in the UK. Oh, okay, yeah. They were having a conversation. He had never, he's never lived in the UK, but... He was like, I want, I've got this vision. I want to launch this thing. Who would you recommend? Because she used to live in London. And straight away she said me, you know. And because she had, she's she's done a lot, I'd done a lot of work with her, um, for her, in terms of building her brand. So she knows my work ethic. She knows I'm very results driven. She knows, so she feels comfortable recommending these key contacts to me um and that's basically how the david wedge referral happened and then from that at the back of that all these other people yeah because you pulled off an amazing job thank you you pulled off like an amazing three-day event but one thing that i've noticed not a but just Mm. a new sentence one Mm. thing that i've noticed about you which i admire a lot and I kind of just like sit back and just like watch you is your gift in one bringing people together two staying in no I can't say in good books but maintaining relationships like we've been to mm-hmm. events where you see people that you haven't seen in years but it's just like I feel like you have this warmth about you and this um 
oh, I was about to make up a word. I was always say this gen- genuinity. Is that a word? Genuinity? Yeah, gen- like your yeah, yeah, genuine, yeah, genuine. Yeah, like your genuine. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you have this warmth and this genuine whatever um about you that I feel like okay. that probably what lasts. That's the impression. Like you said, Mama Angelo, people remember how you made them feel, and I feel like yeah. it's that thing that yeah. impression that you probably leave with people that stays with them which probably mm. what makes it them easy for them to recommend you because it's just like well she's a pleasure to talk to she's gonna be a pleasure yeah. to work with if you are yeah. good at what you do but you're not a nice person chances are people will not recommend you as much mm. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean I hear that yeah yeah so um I know on top of the fashion consulting and you not wanting to leave money outside not not leave, do you know what I mean like not mm. take money mm. because you're you're kind of busy mm. how far with the um, with the course with the fashion course yeah so basically one of the things that um actually before the pandemic I had put together a course that I was getting ready to launch um yeah. and it was basically like for all levels so it was a two-part course so if you had never had um started a fashion brand before or you you are a beginner whatever you would you would get two parts of the course both parts part one and two but if you're already like a bit more established you had a brand out the second part of the course would be the bit that would appeal to you the most so I was getting ready to launch that went to Paris yeah. Fashion Week um came back ready to promote and then COVID happened and it disrupted the whole fashion industry yeah um the supply chain the so I almost felt like it's I didn't feel right to put it out because I'm like so much is going to change after this um this course may even no longer be relevant no one knew what was going to happen you know um so it was like it may not even a lot of the stuff may not even be relevant so much is going to change we're going to be living in this virtual world what's mm. you know what's going to be the outcome so I had paused on the course but what I did end up working on were three toolkits because I'm like these things are never going to change people are always going to, are always going to want to know this so one of the things the most popular things people ask me is how can I get into stores or get my stuff in shops so that was the first toolkit like pdf toolkit i've put together um and basically it's kind of a hand-holding walkthrough um in terms of giving you the basics like what you need to have ready um it's got an example of the type of email you would send um a checklist all this kind of stuff so that is um that was that and then I'd done one on how to get into um the press because this seems to be what people really struggle with and people don't push themselves enough um and I've done a lot of PR I'm not a PR person as in like a you know but I can do PR if I have to I've had to do that for my business because you know PR is not cheap and when I was a startup it was like I need press exposure, but I need to learn how I can get this press exposure. So yeah. I've done a lot of PR myself. And even with the launch with David Wedge, 
I'd done a lot of the PR for that myself because the PR that we were going to use kind of fell through. Um, So I ended up doing the PR and, you know, um, he got an amazing feature in the Evening Standard and loads of blogs were talking about, you know, so it's just knowing like in order to get featured, what do I need to do? What do I need to, because people don't, um, what do you think is the best way? Because I'd like to know. Yeah, so the the best way is basically putting together a good press release, you know. Um, oh, yeah, you, you did force me to do a whole press release when I started being, <laughs> oh, my God. You need to do the press release. <laughs> You're like really to. on my ass. You're on my ass about everything. Because I'm like, people, you could be in, you know, all these publications, like, if you really want to be in vogue, you can be in vogue, you know, if that's where, you, if your products appeal to their clientele. Um, if yeah. you want to be in stylist, you can be in stylist, but you need a good press release that's clear um, and concise and kind of really highlighting what is it about your product or service that is unique. Like, what are you mm. trying to get their attention um, about kind of thing? So you need that. Um, you need to what a lot of people do as well they attach they love attachments most journalists do not open attachments it's because it could be a virus this is it there's so much so you by you adding all these attachments you're not even no one's gonna see you need to like embed the images within the email you know or provide a link to where they can download, to include the images, but also say if they want to feature this, here is the link. Because you don't want to fill up their inbox. You know, I, I hate it when I see someone send me an email and I'm seeing like 15 megabytes. Why? Why have you attached all this stuff? <laughs> You've taken up space. <laughs> but can you imagine journalists <laughs> when they've got so much to go through? <laughs> like, why? <laughs> But people will do that. They will attach, you know. Um, and so that's that's another big mistake they make. The other mistake I feel like they make is they attach the press release as a PDF. Um, just have the press release within the email. So let them, let them so, okay. Yeah. So how would you, let's just give the, give the people this information, right? So how would you write it? We say, dear Ben, Beth, Ben, whoever, right? Yeah. That's the journalist. Yeah. Would you write what your email is? Like, please see below my press release for BQ London, or how would you do that? No, you would more like, you would be like, you know, hey, Ben, or fashion press tends to be very informal. Um, okay. So I think D works better for like the more formal, you know, if you're trying to attract a certain Edward. type of journalists, you know. Yeah. But I think most of them is all very kind of high and hey. That's okay. kind of the language. Um, but I would just say, hi, da, 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 da. I would like to introduce you to... So do a little introduction to your brand. That's going to make them want to scroll and read the press release. Just so okay. you know, I've just launched, you know, some of the best blah, 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 blah. It was nominated for such and such award. Even um, Richard Branson highly recommended our stuff. Or something. What if you don't have any of that? Any, <laughs> there's always there's a re, there's you're always gonna you can, find you can always angle. spin it yeah you can always there's spin it always into something good yeah. yes maybe the celebrities haven't recommended or 
you know, but you could always say like, you know, um, the majority of our customers, 80% have said, that, that, you know, there's always something you could say. People might be inspired by Gymshark and mm, Cable mm. or the one with um, the mm. blonde woman, Kate Hudson, who's, yes. who has, um, what does she have? She has a big one as well, doesn't she? But I'm yeah. forgetting the name. Yeah. Um, so what advice do you have for someone that's willing to start something that in an industry or a niche that seems like it's oversaturated and mm. has some brands that have kind of already made a name for themselves? Because when I go to the gym, I see a lot of Able and a lot of Gymshocks, yeah. not to mention yeah. Nike yeah. and Adidas. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think number one is they would I they would need to identify what makes what is so unique about what they're going to do that no one else has currently done mm. the reason why the gym sharks and those other brands um are up there is because they saw a niche you might not they might not realize but they're targeting a specific market and they've tapped into that and they've done it well mentioned mm. the quality um of the stuff is of a certain standard um so if you want to now launch that kind of product first of all you need to really understand like what is the vision for this brand um what is our ethos what is the purpose is it like is it um you know uh what makes us unique is it a sportswear brand that's made out of old plastic bottles or you know what what is your unique selling point it can't just be another sportswear mm. brand because mm. of the sake you know because i know i could create a nice look people these days like i mentioned um the other day in a talk they invest in the brand stories yeah um, consumers are now all about we don't care about just it looks nice like what's the what's the journey like why did you start this that's what is selling a lot of these products is the story behind the brand yeah and then the fact that it is of a quality brand and the yeah. fact that it is something different um that they're offering to the market so they need to be clear on that and I think a lot of new brands not just athleisure but they start and they don't even when you ask them about their target audience this is always a tricky one, target consumer, target. A lot of people like will say, oh, it's everybody. It appeals to all women. Or you it can't appeal to, to all women. And it's like, no. Like, you sell who, to everyone, you sell to nobody. Yes, ev- every type of woman can buy your stuff, but who like, is your ideal customer like profile? You yeah. know, what do they do? That's how very old important. are they? Where yeah. do they work? Like, how do they spend their weekends? How do... Like, go into detail. And I always tell people, like, if you don't know where to start, just Google, like, a media pack of a magazine that you feel that your target audience is likely to read and look at their customer profile. Right. You know, I didn't know that was a thing. Stats, yeah, all those stats are included in there. They'll tell right. you, you oh, know, okay. what they do. And then just think, oh, does, and then kind of use that as a basis to work. Every publication has one. You know? Interesting. I had no idea that yeah. thing existed. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. You should check out Essence Magazine's one. That's a good one. Yeah, because it's what funny. I usually do, I definitely agree with you in like creating your customer avatar. And I usually say, and I literally, because I'm kind of drafting this little business playbook on how to start a business. And that's one of the things I talk about to tell me everything about this customer. 
Tell me her name. Tell me what she looks like. Tell me where she shops. Where does she eat? What's her diet like? Does she go to the gym? Like all of these things, I think definitely matter. And I had to do this when I was doing BQ London. I had to see who's my who's my target customer. My target customer is someone who cares about the earth, cares about sustainability. They care about their skin. They have sensitive skin as well. There are women between the ages of this this age and this age because of the price point. But they have to put price mm. point into consideration. Mm. You can't say mm. my item costs 150 exactly. but I'm targeting 16-year-olds or uni, university mm-hmm. students. Mm-hmm. They won't be able to afford mm-hmm. that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. so it's definitely, I, I believe, 100% in creating your customer avatar before you go anywhere. Because then mm-hmm. it gives you focus. This is it. And a lot of people like to skip this because to them it's like, oh, these are the boring parts. These are the, they just want to jump straight into the designing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no. But then like, you won't know what you're designing then. This is it. So what's your podcast called? Fashion Brand Bible. Fashion Brand Bible. And it's out with right Yolanda Lecce. Um, So we're going to be really talking about these topics, really getting into, because um, I think a lot of, um, there's so many talented people as well um that want to start brands but I think they lack the knowledge and the internet can be overwhelming there's a lot of things you can't google especially when it comes to building a fashion brand people say google is your friend but like I've just mentioned to you about the press pack you know you're not gonna google how know. do I get customer profile and then you, they're gonna say press back there's certain yeah. things you that need just to know come what with to experience yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly so I'm gonna be focusing um on those I've got a list of you know I've compiled a list of the most popular questions that I get asked as well um and eventually I'm gonna be having guests on there like fashion buyers you hearing it from you know, um, from them directly, what they look for, the kind of brands that they rejected and why, um, you know, things that would put them off. Um, Mm. And also I'll be just um, looking into um, telling some stories as well about fashion brands, because I think a lot of people um, just see, they don't realise certain things um in terms of they just see the brand yeah so the fashion brand so it's going to be demystifying a lot of the myths and um edu it's going to be very educational hopefully um the goal is for it to be an easy to understand podcast um as well just for like brands that people that want to launch brands that want to get started um but there's a lot of questions some people like the questions are as simple as can I have a successful fashion brand if I've never studied fashion, you know, right. and it's people like, um, I talk about like people like Chanel, they didn't have, you know, um, come from that fashion background or there's a lot of amazing designers that didn't come from yeah. a fashion background. They're self-taught, but I think a lot of people have that, can I really this so it'll be just also like an inspirational place for existing and up and coming um designers to just come and learn and um be educated basically you know because like I said these are things that you can't always necessarily google or 
in my experience within the industry, um, you have to almost go through certain things to mm. even know this exists. That there's so many things that I never like. I never knew existed in the industry. Um, even ways to okay, I don't want to do my own PR. Um, what what services are there outside of hiring a PR agency, which I currently can't afford right now? Mm-hmm. What else is out there for me? And there's yeah. so many options that people don't know about, you know? Um, yeah. So there's things like that I'll be touching upon because not everyone wants to do their own PR. Even yeah, though I believe I, I everyone can, but yeah. I can't. Just like, I don't because I feel like I can't. But so I'm not going to mm. get into PR with you because next week I'm actually having Kareen on who yeah. has a <laughs> PR agency. So yes. Kareen is a, is a fashion journalist. Yeah, and I met her through you, so yeah. she's gonna be on next week, and I'm literally gonna ask her everything. I'm this is gonna be a very <laughs> selfish episode. Like, I want to learn everything about PR. Okay, I'm gonna ask her everything about PR. Oh, so this so is something healthy. definitely to watch. Um, yeah. so fashion brand bible is out on Monday. Yes, and yes. every Monday, are you gonna be doing weekly? Every Monday there'll be a new. So you uh, listen to Who Moved My Back In First, and then you listen to <laughs> Fashion Brand Bible after. <laughs> Yolanda can tell you to do the other way on her podcast. On my podcast, I tell you to listen to this one first and then you listen to her. (laughs) As long as you listen to both. Yes, yes. (laughs) And if people want to follow you on the socials, where can they follow you on? So I'm on Instagram. Um, You can follow me, Yolanda Fashion UK is my handle on Instagram. You can also follow Fashion Brand Bible on instagram um you can contact me um through my website ymlfashion.co.uk um yeah those are the key places to be honest yeah you could drop me an email um yeah we'll take it from there all right so anyone that needs help in setting up that brand if you want to be the next gym shark or the next versace <laughs> or the next yeah. shenda she's not free so come with your coins I'm just saying (laughs) you're not (laughs) yeah so come with your coin but I I, I've seen your work and I know that you're the real deal and I know that you're legit so I would recommend you to anybody thank you thank wow that was Yolanda our fashion brand consultant make sure you go listen to her podcast which is out now fashion brand bible it should be available to stream on all platforms follow me at who moved my back in if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast remember the email is guest at who moved my back in.co.uk you can also slide in my dms uh who moved my back in not my personal dms don't do that um and i look forward to hearing from you oh also if you go if you go to the website homeofmybackin.co.uk or .com i got both domains go buy that domain sis uh you can follow the web the blog so you'll be able to see whenever a new episode gets published and you'll be able to see my notes on the episode and what my thoughts were and it's like a blog and it's something that i've started doing and i feel like it's really cool So go do that. And I'm wishing you all an amazing, amazing week. And like I said, next week we will have Corinne, who is the queen of PR.
So if you're interested in seeing, knowing how to get into magazines, how to get more PR for your brand, how to get on TV, how to get all these PR opportunities that you keep seeing people have, make sure you tune in next week, Monday, I will have the PR queen and I'm going to ask her all the questions about how to get your brand out there. Love and light. Have a good week. Bye.